0: Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch Podcast. Today, we meet ERIC, the Electronic Registration Information Center. Created with the aid of the left of center Pew Charitable Trusts to help states maintain their voter rolls, recent years have seen it expand into voter registration drives. And with those drives comes concern about Eric's connections to left-wing figures. Joining me to discuss Eric and its ties to the political left is my Capital Research Center colleague, Hayden Ludwig, who wrote about the group for the American Conservative.
1: Uh, Hayden, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be with you.
0: So tell us about Eric. What was it supposed to do?
1: Well, Eric was created about a decade ago. You mentioned it was a project of the Pew Charitable Trusts, which, of course, is a large left leaning foundation involved in a lot of policy work. And it was always pitched to the states as a way to integrate a kind of interstate uh, voter roll maintenance. So think about instead of the federal government. Right. This this is my one.
0: You know, if I could Thanos snap one election reform into existence, it would be that you know, the state you moved out of would tell the state you or the state you moved to would tell the state you moved out of that you moved.
1: That's exactly right, or have died or yeah, can or if, you, vote or if you pass and, away,
0: that, that you've passed away.
1: Exactly right. And of course, um, states have an obligation by law to maintain clean voter rolls, and some states do this better than others. Sometimes we've seen uh, certain administrations come in and make it more difficult. But the bottom line is, ERIC was always pitched, still is pitched to the states as a way to help them perform that service. There's nothing wrong with that per se, although some have questioned how well Eric does in that. The part that is questionable is something that Eric doesn't really advertise. It's kind of hidden in the bylaws. And that is that states that join Eric are um, obligated to seek out and register eligible voters. So these are these are uh, people who are qualified to be voters, but they're not yet on the voter rolls and what what this basically is is a taxpayer funded mass voter registration drive in the 30 odd states that are eric members
0: and why is that i mean obviously if you are a you know a citizen having attained voting age and not otherwise disqualified i mean you're you're eligible to vote why would it be a problem that eric is engaged in these voter drives
1: There's nothing wrong with voter registration, but there's a lot of things that are potentially wrong with organizing voter registration campaigns, be it by a nonprofit, which is always going to have some ideological or political angle, whether it's right or left, or by the government, which is equally susceptible to that kind of ideological bent. The problem we've seen is um, we have to get in the shoes of the left. We've traced hundreds of millions of dollars over the years from certain left-wing foundations like Ford or Gates or, or Soros' Open Society Foundations to a, a handful of uh, large left-leaning nonprofits that are, that do nothing but register new voters. And they're very strategic about this. They target areas that are that are known to contain likely Democratic voters by looking at demographics that we're all very familiar with, unmarried women. Recent immigrants who've become naturalized citizens, uh, ethnic minorities, religious minorities, that sort of thing. This is nothing new. They've been doing this for decades. The ultimate goal is to create a, a, um, such a large body of registered voters that then the other side of this machine, the get out the vote organizations, be them political campaigns or other nonprofits can scoop up all of these newly registered voters and bust them to the polls or help them get to the polls to help them vote. All of this is done with the perception of it being nonpartisan, but there's a huge opportunity for partisan gain, particularly on the Democratic side, because that's the side that tends to do this vastly more than the the Republican conservative side.
0: So I guess one of the people that you feature in your piece who is important to making these connections is David Becker. Uh, who is he?
1: This is another reason people should be skeptical about Eric. David Becker is a partisan elections lawyer. He's a little bit like a Mark Elias type of v- vastly left, less known. Uh, he comes out of the uh, – in the 1990s, he was working for the Department of Justice doing uh, various uh, basically elections lawsuits and stuff. And this was in the Clinton administration. The Clinton administration. He left early on in the Bush administration. And when he was there, he he um, earned this reputation from his colleagues as being a hyper partisan of, of bad mouthing conservative in the Bush administration, badmouthing conservative colleagues. He left there and went to go work for Pew charitable Trusts, where he ran their their election reform division. now some of the stuff he did is is not particularly controversial, like one of the things he helped do do twenty years ago was. Um, try and encourage using Pew funds. Encourage the states to set up online voter registration portals. When you go to the DMV, which is not very objectionable. But what he was done, what he also did is falling on the heels of that. About 2012, helped um, incubate Eric. We believe there were Soros grants involved because we found certain six-figure grants coming from the Open Society Foundations to Pew with titles that suggest it was for Eric before Eric had that name. Regardless. Um, Becker went on, this is a partisan lawyer, went on to sell lots of states' legislatures on the need to join ERIC. After he left ERIC, he stayed on the board, remains on the board, to my knowledge, and started another organization that's far more political on the surface. This organization is called the Center for Election Innovation and Research, CEIR. Tell us us a little bit about CEIR. CEIR... is, is the counterpart to the Center for Technology and Civic Life, CTCL. This is all the Zuckbuck's C-T, C-T, Yeah, I was going to
0: say CTCL is the main Zuckbuck's entity, yes?
1: Yeah, that's right. This is a little bit arcane, but people will remember that in 2020, Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chan donated about $400 million to two organizations involved in trying to fund uh, secretaries of state, in the case of CEIR and fund uh, local elections officials in the counties in the case of CTCL. CEIR is the much less documented side. Um, we actually know far less about it than we do CTCL. But what we have found, this organization led by David Becker is ostensibly nonpartisan, I mean, legally nonpartisan um, and ostensibly involved in just trying to help people vote during COVID-19. But what we found is that it shows battleground states or states that they can pump up a lot of Democratic voters and helped engage in voter registration campaigns. Maryland, which obviously is not a battleground state, Maryland, for instance, received uh, a few million dollars from CEIR, which was passed through from Mark Zuckerberg in 2020, to help the state's voter education and registration drives that it did, targeting the areas of Baltimore and the counties ringing Washington, D.C., which, of course, are, are known to house many, many Democratic voters. So what we see is On either side of his time at Eric, uh, David Becker is known as this partisan operative. But some people would have you believe that when he was at Eric, this is the one non-partisan thing the guy ever engaged in. Before even writing this article, I thought that that sounded fishy on the surface. And, you know, I'm I'm even more convinced of that now.
0: So uh, what are some of Eric's other connections to uh, political political people and political groups on the left?
1: Well, again, this is an organization that presents itself primarily as a way to clean up voter rolls. And I believe the reason it does that is... um, that it's easier, it's easier to sell conservative states on that. It, I, you know It's not that difficult to sell democratic states like New York or California on the need to register new voters. They tend to do that stuff automatically. Um, but convincing Louisiana, Texas, and Florida, on the other hand, is, is probably not going to work out. That's the reason I believe they pitch that side of Eric's services and not the mandatory, you've got to seek out and register these people. What's interesting is when I started writing this, I found that ERIC membership, because remember, this only covers about 30 states. It's a huge percentage of the population, but it's not everywhere. Well, um, when, I, when I was researching this, I found various uh, left-wing advocacy and interest groups, like the, they have confusing names, but the Advancement Project and the Movement Advancement Project, which are not related, they just have the same kind of name. These are both um, left-wing political groups. Well, they both recommend ERIC membership alongside things like automatic voter registration in the states, same-day voter registration in the states, um, even pre-registration of 16-year-olds so that when they turn 18, they're automatically added to the voter rolls. Things like that that are the normal slate of liberal election reforms. It's curious that something so apparently nonpartisan as ERIC is included alongside those things. So clearly, the the Groups on the left that are in the know consider the registration side to be the main uh, thrust of Eric, even if the organization itself does not present that to the public.
0: Yeah, I mean, this sounds like the, uh, the liberal groups that are behind Eric or associated with Eric are making the uh, strong form of the emerging democratic majority um uh, supposition that, you know, everybody knew that we register is, you know, is going to be from the, the rising American electorate demographics, and that's going to help our side, you know, when it comes time to make policy.
1: That's right. Yeah. It's important to consider that Eric does not operate in a vacuum and I'm not placing all of the voter registration stuff on its shoulders alone. There's a large, like you just said, there's a large thrust on the political left to fund, um, uh, groups that are involved in registering the the new American majority, the rising American majority, whatever, you know, you and I both know we've uncovered documents now that we've publicized from organizations like Mind the Gap, right, or the Voter Registration Project that are very explicit when they're talking to other liberal donors, very explicit about the need to replace America's current electorate with one that is they consider to be more malleable, more and approachable. What's, and what's,
0: but 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 what is perhaps most interesting about that approach that some progressives took say in the 2010s is that you know as politics has changed the you know sort of static assumptions about what demographics would do have not held
1: you know the the, the
0: emerging democratic majority people thought Florida was going to be part of the democratic coalition
1: uh, that's exactly right. And it's not surprising that a lot of the organizations we're talking about were spawned about a decade ago. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that that dogma has held true. Actually, I'm very skeptical of it myself. Similarly, that mass registration always begets mass turnout. Maybe there's something to that. But more importantly, that mass turnout always begets Democratic victories my, my, clearly my, is not I've true. Got, I've
0: got, a, I've got a, a stat on that one. Uh, in the 2021 Virginia elections, uh, Terry McAuliffe, got more votes losing than four years previously,
1: uh, Democrat Ralph Northam got winning. <laughs> exactly. Well, you could say the same thing in 2020. I mean, historic turnout on both sides, you know. And right, right. It, if, it, you had, if
0: you had told me 150 million people were going to vote in the 2020 elections, I would not have assumed the election was going to be as close as it was.
1: Right, exactly. And, and it was not a one-sided Democratic route. It was much more mixed bag for both sides uh, of the two parties, um, yeah, so so you know, I, I think the ultimate goal people need to keep in mind when they're considering organizations like Eric is, it may not be true, but I think today maybe less so. But groups on the left and their donors largely believe that if we register more people, the the kinds that we've identified in this new electorate, that's the best way to secure more victories, and it's the it's the best explanation of why the left so fervently supports automatic voter registration, because the idea is if we register everybody who's remotely eligible to vote, then what you've done is you've made the term citizen synonymous with registered voter, which means that instead of spending $400 million on registration efforts every cycle, and then another $400 million on getting out the vote, I can spend $800 million on get out the vote because everybody's already registered.
0: Hmm. So, Speaking of large sums of money, uh, another thing that you look at is Arabella Advisors and the network of groups that it manages. Uh, And you were recently in the Wall Street Journal, uh, or at least Wall Street Journal Online, uh, responding to some claims that that, that that network makes about itself. Can you go into that?
1: Yeah, so this is a little bit of inside baseball, but of course we're talking about one of the largest, probably the largest dark money network in America, certainly one of the most um, influential political lobbying forces as well. Well, uh, Arabella Advisors is a private company, and we're always very careful to distinguish between the LLC itself and the nonprofit network it operates, which is really where the politics is going on. But we also want to maintain that the company running it created its quote-unquote nonprofit clients. So there's this incestuous relationship there that has um, important legal distinctions. Well, I, there was another conservative group, the Judicial Crisis Network, over the summer, uh, I believe it was during the, um, the nomination and confirmation process of uh, Justice uh, Katanji Jackson that uh, this is Judicial Crisis Network made the mistake of conflating Arabella advisors with the Arabella-run nonprofit network, which are, of course, legally distinct entities. Well, Arabella uh, used uh, Mark Elias's law firm to threaten legal action if they didn't amend a pol- the political ad, which they promptly did. Everybody saw right through that this is transparently, you know, uh, it's just legalese, right? The difference right. It's, is it's it- a,
0: it's a, It's a technical distinction.
1: What we found then in the, in the follow-up to that is um, we uncovered, uh, through, a, through the organization Government Accountability and Oversight, a set of uh, private emails. and These date from 2017, but they weren't known until recently because they were acquired via public records request. And these emails were between um, the Arabella Advisors LLC and its top nonprofit, the New Venture Fund, which is a 501c3 organization. And they were going to the top climate change staffer for Washington Governor Jay Inslee, who happens to be a Democrat. And what they were offering is... Arabella's nonprofit um, fiscal sponsorship services and fundraising services for one of the uh, projects that Inslee is very closely associated with, called the U.S. Climate Alliance. This organization is still around today. It's a it's a, uh, a coalition of mostly Democratic governors. I think all but three are, are Democrats. Yeah, all,
0: all all but three, and the three who are Republicans are from very liberal states.
1: That's right. P- pretty squishy on the climate issues. Yes. And um, anyway, it, it's the whole goal of this coalition is to try and enact the policies of the 2015 Paris Climate Accords in the respective states and across the country, right? Well, Arabella was offering to run this, boasting about. Um, it's all of the environmental projects it's done. I mean, there's some very revealing stats. New Venture Fund, the nonprofit, boasts that about 30% of its projects are environmental and energy in something we didn't know, right? What, what's very revealing about this and the reason we, we wrote to the Wall Street Journal was that here you have an example of Arabella using language that implies that there's no difference between the company and the nonprofit. You have the head, one of the heads of Arabella Advisors, And the head of New Venture Fund talking about each other as colleagues, talking about their joint work, even pitching Inslee's staffer using joint New Venture Fund Arabella Advisors letterhead. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. We highlighted some of the best ones where they talk about all of the work that we have done together collectively. Here's the services that we can both provide, boasting about our work together. And the point being, the reason we did this is this is blatant hypocrisy. If a conservative group points this stuff out or makes the mistake of not being careful and it's distinguishing between these groups, they get threatened with a lawsuit. And right. yet we've seen from these new, these emails, this is exactly how the Arabella network talks about itself to its donors and allies.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, again, I, I think you, you have a pretty good line at the end. You know, why won't Arabella advisors probably admit its success in building a multibillion dollar empire that's a pillar of the Democratic Party? <laughs> you know, they should they should they should be proud of the influence that they have.
1: I can't imagine that will cost them donors. You know, I mean, call me skeptical. I kind of think that you'd get more don't donors to something like that. <laughs> it's not like the Koch brothers are threatening to come give them money mm-hmm. or something.
0: Uh, Well, before we let you go, uh, any other uh, parts of your work that you'd like to let our listeners know about?
1: Well, we are working a little bit more on um, ERIC and related voter registration work. Um, Some of the stats we found are stunning. We looked at, for instance, just a dozen of the biggest groups involved in strictly voter registration on the left, uh, not even getting out to the vote, getting out the vote, and we found that these groups brought in over $400 million just in 2020 alone. Now, not every penny went to voter registration work, but it does show you that this is something the left prizes. And I believe that there's far more we can find on that. Uh, you know, one of the things I'd be interested in seeing um, after the, the next two election cycles is whether those those dogmas hold true that registration is the key to democratic victories i'm not so sure that that's going to hold up in 2022 and 2024 but i expect we'll be there to write about it
0: all right well thanks again to my colleague hayden ludwig for joining us that's our show for this week we encourage our listeners to subscribe on stitcher apple podcasts or spotify and if you have subscribed thank you and please leave us a five-star rating those ratings really help us find new listeners especially if they come with a positive review we'll see you all next week Thank you.